everybody to another episode of the Monitor Keeping Podcast. I'm here with Kai, and it's just going to be the two of us today. So uh, we <laughs> we have been uh, very busy people with a lot going on. But Kai, how you doing? I'm surviving. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm not going to complain. But um, you know, there's uh, some stress over eggs and moving stuff, and we'll get into all that later today. Yeah. And uh, you, you've actually been doing some other podcasts and whatnot, right? Uh, yeah, I think I've only been on that Bill Strand podcast uh, maybe like a few weeks ago. It's actually probably like a month ago or so. Um, yeah, just uh, it was a quick one, you know, um, but it was talking about um, basically both uh, monitor aspect and, um, and grasshopper aspect of everything all how, how it works together and how i'm kind of dealing with everything um, very nice yeah 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 there's, there's a whole lot going on and uh, really um i've been basically just trying to keep up with everything you know um yeah. customers people helping people on both ends uh being able to have time to do the podcast and and have uh, at least quality information stuff like that too um yeah, man, it's a it's it's a hard one to keep up with everything. You know, you got to do the all the work, and then also the the internet work and all that stuff like that. It's uh, yeah, you absolutely. Got to have, have a whole team, and I'm essentially just cramming, doing everything at every hour of the day, almost. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I've kind of checked out a little bit from the social media stuff, and it was just out of necessity. I was had to pick and choose, kind of triage what was uh, going to get done and what wasn't going to get done. And yeah. so, yeah, I had to really focus in on a few things, but we're back and recording now, so it's all good. Oh, and also I saw uh, something, Reptile Report. With you. I think they just shared that video or that um, that thing that I did with Bill Strand. I've been on Reptile Report a couple times, I think, for like just sharing mangrove monitor stuff or uh, things like that. <clears throat> um, gotcha. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, that was a good one too. You know, it's also it's always good to make it to the reptile report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like our newspaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding, man. <clears throat> so this is kind of just a loosely formatted uh, episode with me and Kai just talking. I mean, um, yeah, we're going through a lot of stuff right now. But, <laughs> but, but you guys, you guys should be able to relate. I mean, it's almost cringeworthy yeah. or stuff that'll make you cry. You know. Absolutely. But on that note, also to some of the, the people that I know are listeners and uh, some of the people that have hit me up or Kai up um, through Instagram or Facebook or whatnot, it looks like some of you are having success and doing some cool stuff, hatching out babies for the first time. And I just want to say to all of you having that kind of uh, good success going on, congratulations. Uh, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's a little nerve wracking. And, you know, it still happens with new clutches, new species, new everything for us, too. Uh, it's definitely one of the more exciting parts of all of this. For all the trouble and pain sometimes that can happen, it's definitely that little bit of yes, you know, that little bit of success going yeah. on. So, uh, yeah, again, congratulations to all of you doing that. And um, thank you for those people that are reaching out and saying, Hey, you know, this was a really good idea. I listened to this episode or this information, whether it's uh, nesting incubation, um, 
some type of reproductive thing or general care where they saw a difference in their animals. Uh, we love to hear that kind of feedback. We're glad we can help. Uh, the more that you reach out to us, the more we are able to talk with you and talk with other people, have some more guests on and, and uh, share this information. I think we'll all benefit from it. So we're glad to hear that it's kind of having that desired effect, uh, or at least we hope so. So, uh, and again, before we get too far into it, we just want to say we are brought to you by the Morelia Python Radio Network, uh, where Eric has been doing some amazing. Just you know, I talk about how busy we are, Kai, but <laughs> he's juggling, editing, being on or hosting several different podcasts um, while maintaining his collection. And now he decides to get into the monitor world. Good luck to you, Eric. <laughs> a lot more work than snakes. That's <laughs> so keep your, keep your head above water. Um, we chose no, I, to be one of the hardest ones in the world. Yeah. <laughs> but you're lucky you got us, Eric. So we love you, man. Yeah. 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 Help it anyway. I know Mike's there, uh, of course, doing his thing. Mike over at Mike's Monitors. Yeah, um, and, and there's also this podcast that he could just run back and forth. <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, he does have that capability. He gets the sneak peek before all of you do. Uh, part of you know being the the pod father in all this. <laughs> but uh, but again, check out the Morelia Python Radio Network dot com. Uh, go on there, check out all the different podcasts they have available. I've been having trouble just keeping up with everything lately, so. As soon as I have some downtime to go hit the collection, I'm just going to put you guys on like one and a half time speed and listen through everything. <laughs> so uh, also check out their store, their Patreon on there. If you'd like to <clears throat> sign on at their different level, one of their different levels to help support all this information being brought to you uh, kind of in a centralized location or at least uh, easy to find out there in the big wide world of Internet. Uh, go ahead and support them through that. So. All right, um, man. Yeah, like I said, this is loosely formatted. So, hi, uh, what is what is gonna, going on? I don't know. I think just the just the discussion alone should should be able to be fine. It's going to be kind of quite normal because we'll have a ton of information anyways. So, yeah. Uh, as far as like me, man, going through a lot of stuff. Um, all right. I, I mean, I'm all my animals are fine. Um, but the, uh, Indicus stuff has kind of been, uh, kind of heartbreaking a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I've basically been mother goosing these eggs, right. That I have, um, and, uh, hatching Indicus, uh, even though I've done it consecutively for the last few years, you know, it's like, uh, I've been basically getting better and better. And I'm also, it's part, it's different part of my or different aspects of my um, whole project now, now that I have a viable male that I use from the whole parthenogenic project. And then I have now like a full viable clutch that I'm waiting for everything to hatch. So they just started to indent at 155 days for this clutch now. So we're getting close to stuff um, popping out and then uh, and pipping hopefully. Um, but um, I mean, to rewind a few weeks, um, I had an egg just uh, give up. I guess it was like a, maybe 130 some days, something like that. Um, the baby was somewhat fairly well formed. It's just the colors weren't weren't really there, so it kind of looked albino. Um, I mm -hmm. think if any of you guys have followed me, you've seen that that picture and what I shared on online. Um, and it it looked looked amazing. It just wasn't no no 
dark pigment was in yet. And I have no idea why they had decided to just collapse, but um, they basically turned uh, um, from good eggs to bad eggs. They kind of do this really dull look, and essentially the eggs have started to like cave in and concave on itself and then um, collapse essentially. And then they, they do this like uh, um, – the smell there's a total different sheen and smell to to the egg you kind of just pick it up and you know um good eggs are still viable eggs basically don't do that and so this egg you know uh, basically caught my curiosity i typically just snip snip and cut the eggs open or once i get that feel uh the, the egg is basically dead um i don't all obviously don't just cut my eggs um on that that detail alone i kind of you know narrow it down to if the egg is dark inside are there still veins if there's still veins i don't cut you know um and then if it's like this doing this nasty sweaty smell then you know chances are i'll cut because there'll there'll be all these um these tell signs will basically all flow within each other and then show um and give you your cues to when a, to cut or know when an egg is bad um and then I basically snip, snip, and there was this uh, it's nicely formed but somewhat um, pinkish, pinkish baby in there. Um, that was that was it was. I mean, it was it was a little blow, but I do have several more eggs incubating from the same clutch, so you know it's not not as bad. Um, but I have, uh, and then I had another egg that was from an actual previous clutch to the one that I was talking just about now. Um, and that was 60 days prior. So that egg went to like 205 days, something like that, 207 days. That's a lot longer than um, the normal incubating time, which is like 160, 170 days for me normally. Yeah. I have had eggs go 210 days. That baby came out fine. But, um, uh, you know, this one, you know, 205 days was sort of at that point of dang it's taking forever but i was trying to be patient with it that's yeah um you know even though some practices of reptile keeping are 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 typically cutting eggs and stuff like that when you're when you're breeding like the snakes and stuff um the monitor eggs not not as easy to cut and um you can definitely damage stuff if you're not knowing what you're doing but there are people that do cut monitor eggs out there um and it is something that's slightly practiced but not really like uh, not everybody's doing it, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not it's not something that we recommend um, going off the bat and doing right away either. I have I've I've myself have had to cut eggs, but only at the that brink part where it's either right. just about to die or it's already dead. And right. then you know I've kind of given it its full hope. If it's if it didn't come through and pop out already, I kind of give myself the notion mm -hmm. like all right, if it's not doing well, it's probably not going to do well just, just yeah. It. yeah so if it didn't pop out and do anything on its own um it's probably going to be a somewhat of a weak baby um and uh yeah man i had uh the uh a, that that baby turn up to be um super mis misfigured mm -hmm. um, had like a duck bill nose actually the top part the top lip and the top mouth part is basically gone it had a very like yeah, it basically looked like I had a dug bill. I saw, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was kinked at the neck and kinked at the base of the tail. Um, more, not not just turned, but like kinked, kinked. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just kind of, um, that one too. It came out, you know, when I opened the egg, it was sort of alive. The egg went really dark. 
um, you can kind of see some redness in there, like it just died or something like that. And so mm. uh, I basically snipped that egg open as well, looked inside for that guy, and it's just that's what I ended up looking at. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a uh, those are hard hard pills to swallow, you know. Um, you do go through all the time, all yeah. the work, and then you, and then you end up with those results. Um, it does suck, but you get to add more to what you now know, what, yeah. what you've experienced, and then bam, it's less. What I've what I've realized, you're basically prepared for that next time it happens again, or you're prepared to show somebody else if it happens to them, um, and so you're more, kind of more prepared in a sense. Where, all right, it's not as <laughs> it's not as you know painful to deal with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I really. Um, I watch my eggs a lot because I'm home all the time. And so I peep it there a few times a day. A lot of times, you know, things are pipping just when you're least expecting it. Um, and so I try not to, you know, mess pressure with pressure the eggs too much or mess with them too much. Or um, I just, when there's too much condensation, I just wipe it real quick. Um, if eggs are just about to hatch, I kind of do their, I, I mean, I do certain things for the whole practice um of hatching monitor eggs i kind of put like a paper towel that's dry or moss that's dry um anything that's going to absorb moisture from eggs that i feel are what i say too full um mm -hmm. or really turgid essentially um they're slightly misfigured this looks like they absorbed a lot of water um the kimberly eggs i've had to do that with quite a bit and essentially especially because i'm going through different different types of methods of incubating containers. Um, and so I'm trying different things, even though I've had, I've been hatching Kimberly's um, through a couple of different methods already that I find that I'm comfortable with. I still want to know what, what, what else would work better. Um, it's just the, the tickle in my brain that keeps me doing it, right. even though I know I can fail. Um, I, I'm just trying, you know? And so, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a, the incubating part for me, it's it's stressful. You know, I'm I'm kind of like a, uh, I don't know. It's 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 definitely got me on my toes, um, especially when the weather transitions like this too. Yeah, I have to kind of protect the eggs a little bit more, protect the room, make sure it doesn't get too cold. Even though I myself can't have the room all stuffy during the winter time, so um, it's like uh, it's uh, it's a it's a battle a little bit and essentially the containers condensate a little bit more. And so I have to work out that issue. Um, and that I do that by either slightly venting the containers a little bit, or I go in and I wipe the tops and the sides with, uh, some uh, paper towel. And, uh, yeah, that's what I, I essentially do for, for my stressful incubating situation. <laughs> Your little, uh, what would you, almost like a mantra, like a little, uh, ritual you do. Yeah, While you're incubating eggs. <laughs> Yo, I just pray, man. I just literally, <laughs> I sit there. I'm just like, okay, let me just uh, make sure that everything flows. And I have to kind of what I do is I do this process of elimination stuff. Where mm -hmm. all right, this is not happening, and this is happening. Um, like I guess for example, um, if the egg is indenting and it's not dark inside, just just leave it alone. You know. Yeah. But like if the egg is indenting and it's dark inside, mm -hmm. it's probably dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, just just things like that. And you just things will have to kind of line up. Um, for me, that's uh, 
it can be a tricky one because you know there's new things to gather all the time and uh, new experience that you haven't or eggs doing something that they haven't done for you yet and then you're you know at a you're at the bottom again or you're at the base trying to figure out what's what's going on at the mercy of the egg because you can't obviously mess with it too much or damage what's going on change too much um you know it's like uh something that just you gotta really bite your tongue and hold off from doing a whole lot you know um you can only really do it as like i don't know some people are it's it's a it's a very small window for you to be able to save eggs so um that window is basically the last week or two before they hatch (laughs) you know and um if the eggs are right about to hatch but have too much water in them sometimes they can drown or sometimes i've even had them pip and drown um so uh I'm not sure. It's maybe taking on too much water as they're about to hatch or something like that. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, all I know is that, um, yeah, that window is very small, sometimes just days. Man. So I've had some – well, I will say this. I do believe that good – like starting off, you have good ackee eggs, almost indestructible. I've been very surprised and pleased with just what these things are capable of enduring as far as the incubation um fluctuations or anything and come out as just perfect little babies i've also been surprised at how sensitive some other eggs can be in comparison um they're just there's a huge difference so if you're starting off and and you have ackies great job uh and you're learning with the ackie eggs i think it's a wonderful place to start um I mean, Tristis eggs have thrown me for a loop. Uh, sand monitor eggs, which I thought would be, you know, just bigger versions of Ackies, basically, and bulletproof, have actually surprised me uh, quite a bit. And uh, then, of course, the peacock eggs and the Timor eggs, may they rest in peace. <laughs> Little <Yes>. heartbreakers. <laughs> uh, speaking uh, of peacock eggs, uh, congratulations to Ryan McVeigh. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. Catching out some awesome uh, Offenberg guy. Uh, that's uh, what we call the blue spotted or peacock monitor. Um, it's basically a quite quite pretty looking Timmers looking monitor. Absolutely. Um, when that that whole little small pocket of islands there. Um, and yeah, man. Sorry to interrupt you, bro. Mm-mm. No, there. Um, and speaking of that, all my basically. Peacocks and Timors, as of this last week, have all got new setups. Um, so <clears throat> I've mentioned a few times I had to get some electrical stuff done at the warehouse, uh, which led me to become very intimate with my my warehouse and see some other things that need to be done or that would benefit. Yeah, me. can you uh, talk about that a little bit? Because I think um, even myself, you know, just understanding um, how uh, how you have all that electricity running and then what controls it and like, you know, how you keep it safe. Uh, Well, when the electrician was over, just basically, I mean, the the common practices don't daisy chain. So don't plug, you know, uh, electrical strip into electrical strip into electrical strip. And then you have all these wires laying on top of each other, um, you know, in the middle of the floor, uh, which you, I'll be honest, it still happens sometimes while I'm figuring something out or got to get things plugged in. But uh, as of lately, 
I've been definitely looking into streamlining things, even learning how to uh, just run, cleaning up, right? Yeah, yeah. run certain chords, uh, how to set up. Uh, I don't even know what you'd call. It. I'm not an electrician, but how to run power to multiple units in a more clean manner rather than plugging everything in. So basically, like you get familiar with these little boxes where you connect the different wires or you attach these little. Um, there's people out there laughing at me because they know exactly what these things are, but I don't. I bought this little kit, basically. And you, you like crimp the wire ends into these little circle things, and you take the screws and you drive the screw down on them. I wish I had the terminology. Never been an electrician until lately, <laughs> but I'm learning how to do it safely, uh, cleanly. I got all these little cool little tools where I can see if there's electricity right into things. Uh, uh, yeah. Nice, man. So you're actually going at it where it's like a D, uh, do-it-yourself type deal. Um, yeah. Everything, right? Okay. Yeah, that's, kind that's of teaching cool. myself. So this way I can run almost – what you're going to see is one cord uh, maybe plugged into something. But it's actually – what I'm doing is running multiple cages, and I just have it wired in a way that's safe and clean on the backside of this you know wall of cages – that you can't see uh it's nice for me so i'm not ducking and tripping and uh you know spilling water while i'm changing water on exposed cords <laughs> yeah yeah that's a that's a tough one for me too so i actually had to do the exact same thing um yeah. so i most recently just uh upgraded on um, my adult male um car island pairs and stuff like that where a lot of them now are in their six and eight foot enclosures um from from their like four and five foot ones that they were in before um and essentially you know obviously you got a bigger bigger cages so you have more lamps and everything like that i actually have a little bit more running than what i had before um and then i've also tried to um utilize as much space as i can so i did some more reorganizing as i moved those enclosures in um and so now i basically also switched out all the 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 standard and i forget their gauges um but the standard electrical cords right and yeah. i went to everything has a surge protector electrical cord now yeah um just to to be on the safe it's a safer side i'm not running as many things as alan because alan's got hundreds of animals and i only have like a couple dozen max you know and most of the enclosures are conjoined so they share heat stuff like that and um it's not as much so i really only have a few outlets to work with in a little room even though i do have quite a few monitors it's just uh yeah it's not as much as you so you know i'm i'm i should be okay there with what the what the house can typically handle you know um mm -hmm. right but uh was what as far as what you got in a warehouse and all that stuff like that it's a uh, it's a it's a crazy balance game what you have to do. <laughs> yeah and then so looking up in the attic uh, while I was up there with the electrician and whatnot and actually learning how power's coming into my, uh, well, actually both units, um, how it works with the meter and the panel that I have in the unit, learning all these things I, I had no clue about before. Um, so not only am I learning that side of things, but if you're a keeper and you have, you know, two, three setups at home and you you're throwing a couple hundred watts, let's say 200 watts of electricity for each setup, that's doable. 
in that situation. You know, it might be too extreme. You might not run that much, but it's doable. Yeah, that sounded like a lot to me. <laughs> right, right. But you'll see people buy these, uh, you know, a hundred watt um, mm -hmm. basking light, maybe a something, a heat pad running. Um, some type of fogging machine or something, and you know, here in the noise Northeast, I can understand. I'm sorry. But right. For me, it's, that's it sounds like a lot. I, I honestly, in an eight foot enclosure, I have three 40 watt bulbs going on and two on one side and one on the other side. I do have a heat pad in there, so you can add another 15, 20 Watts, but yeah, it will, you, you can see that that's still barely 120 Watts that I'm using, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to, so I take these things, so I have the built-in cages, right? And so basically it's like a freestanding loft up on top. It's not actually attached to the walls uh, or the structure permanently. It's it's basically a freestanding structure inside the warehouse. Um, that's for different reasons, permits and whatnot. But with that in mind, I don't want to put a bunch of weight up there. I mean, it's, it's constructed really well, but I don't want to put a bunch of weight up on top of the uh, loft either. So I have to consider that when I'm using what type of wood I'm going to use or materials I'm going to use to construct cages. So if I go with like your three fourths inch plywood, that's great, but it actually gets pretty heavy when I'm talking about, you know, 12 cages, um, adult cages up there. Yeah. Uh, so the quarter inch plywood out of these crates that I'm using is really great. It's a lot less weight. I can actually move them myself without problem. And then most of the weight is coming from the nest boxes. And the nest boxes, I've actually added more of like the cocoa fiber or loose material rather than sand for these setups. If something needs more of a dirt setup, it's going on the, the main floor on the ground. Um, and so I've had to pick and choose what I'm putting up there and what's not going up there. Now, that's all great, but we're still talking only quarter inch thick um, plywood. It doesn't retain heat the same way that three fourths inch plywood would be. So they're up on the loft, um, heat rises, of course, but I actually found out there's no insulation up there. So we're all, all of a sudden going into winter, we're losing a lot of heat out of the, out of the roof, out of the ceiling. And so with that quarter inch plywood, now I'm at the point where I'm like looking at insulation and doing these different projects so that I can insulate the ceiling. It'll basically trap that airspace up above It'll make the, the temperatures more consistent and uh, make the, the warehouse hopefully work better throughout the seasons, both with hot and cold, because I'm controlling, you know, they, as I mentioned before, the ambience with the use of an air conditioner. So one, hopefully it won't have to work as hard, uh, either heating or cooling it. And two, using, you know, less water so I can um, maintain uh, the proper temps without having to throw so much energy at things with better insulation. So that's, I have a project with the front door where <clears throat> it was insulated, but I'm doing it a little different. Um, and I'm doing it in a way where I can fill in any gaps around the door or that they won't affect the main room. Um, and then of course, like I mentioned, the, the insulation up in the ceiling. So yeah, <laughs> it's been interesting. Um, it's taken a lot of my time. And so where I would be responding to uh, people or checking out things online about monitors. Now I'm, I'm looking up, you know, DIY construction stuff on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> and, what makes us great. We just yeah. uh, learn. I, I mean, you know, I never went to school for any of that stuff, but I know how to wire cages and <laughs> I'm not a great carpenter. probably got like a C or a B in, in woodshop class, but I know now how to, you know, do stuff really well just from 
how you are supposed to make a monitor enclosure solid uh, right just that alone even uh like caulking material like, yeah i got to learn you know with we utilize that for unless i was doing construction stuff right um now i know you know different types of things to use and um yeah so it's like a, it's a great thing to have a great skill to have you kind of pick it up as you go though it's not like yeah yeah you, and then those guys that are already great with construction workers man they come into to monitor keeping like it's it's a it's, um, a, breeze. it's a breeze i'm a little jealous of some of that yeah yeah like um like cody uh cody allen we had him on uh here and he does uh normal stuff already like that and uh man his me to me to learn how to build my own reptile shed it'd take a long time but he already had the constructive you know ideas on what to do it's just the building and he had to solidify right. it more make it uh make it more insulated add certain things um proper vents on all that stuff like that and then um size wise too you know so yeah man yep. it's like a, it's a hard it's a hard one Oh, I've, I've come to the realization that sometimes for me, it's just easy. I could spend hours and hours just to learn how to do the thing I want to do, to try to do it myself and then go through the mistakes or have to buy the tools or whatnot, or yeah. especially like a bigger cage, bigger project. Uh, or I can pick up an extra shift at work doing the job I know how to do so that I could pay somebody. And in the end, it's usually saves me both time and money and a whole lot of frustration. Yeah. Um, but Same. there's a few things, you know, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm open to, cause I want to know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a world of fun as of lately. And I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll, so with, with all this moving things around and having to, uh, move cages or animals out of the way, it's, it's been interesting. Uh, it's been a little bit of a, a circus for the most part, everything's been unaffected and pretty good. Yeah. But, so here, here's how the some of the circus goes, right? I, um, all right, let's say I have all my most of our enclosures are stacked. A lot, of, all of us do, um, mm -hmm. and so we have to just accommodate, make room, play Tetris or play Jenga, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so to move the eight foot enclosure to get, or right, I had to move a six foot enclosure out. That's what replaced the eight foot enclosure. Replaced that, okay? And so I had to remove. The four enclosures on top of that six foot enclosure, right? Remove all the soil from each of those, undo them just to make them lighter, right? Take all the heavy logs out, whatever was on the walls, basically just leave it as a skeleton enclosure. And then I had all the wood pieces just sitting outside in the, in just sun baking, right? I cleaned them all off, just like I had the opportunity, so might as well, you know? And uh, so that's that. And I'm barely taking out the logs. I haven't even moved anything yet, you know? And then I have to move out all the sand. So the sand is just, I have bins, just bins, right? And they become useful when I have to do something like this because yep. I now have to remove all the soil and sand. Now I have nest bins, which are simple, but they're still heavy. So that's easily a couple hundred pounds, right? Because I use sand. Um, right. And then the rest of the enclosure also has several inches to a foot on its own just because... Uh, I keep I, I have dead soil for my animals and they 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 need it, um, and when I got to redo undo all that shit, it's yep. like uh, yeah, uh, I, so that's you know just that part alone is just the soil right, and then now I have to undo the cages, undo the the fixtures, pop out the cages, move those, 
just to get to that six foot one to be moved out. You know? Yeah. Man, and luckily that six foot enclosure, that person was ready right there to pick it up. And I just, we just loaded into his truck and he just took off. And I didn't nice. have, to have nothing sit there or we had to find a buyer for it or something like that. You know, it's just ready to go. So, Very um, nice. I mean, that that's like a blessing in all that mess because now I have to really move in this eight foot enclosure by myself or with me and Lynn and the, you know, people that even helped me make it too. Like I had to have them come another day to help me move this enclosure and just because it was oddly shaped, you know, how to get it in yeah. and stuff everything like that. And I honestly didn't move. I didn't move the other six foot enclosures that were right there next to it. So I, it, there was like a narrower gap to move everything in and out of now this <laughs> eight foot enclosure. Um, yeah. So uh, really then, then I have to set that cage back up at the same time, make sure none of the animals are dying or, or, you know, not taken care of or not basking or not having water during the right. whole process. So those animals are binned or, basically in a skeleton cage or quickly transferred to another enclosure for the time being. Yeah. Um, and then I have to work on their enclosures. Basically everything has to just one at a time. Some cages <laughs> back to back, some cages you can only do a fraction at a time, you know? Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I just hang stuff up. I get most of the structural stuff up. So the, the nest bin, I start from the bottom make sure all that's in place where the water dish is going to go. I eyeball where things are going to go and then get like my platforms in. I don't put any of the logs and stuff yet that gets hung up and, and placed in later, but I do all the, the heavy, heavy stuff and the stuff where I have to crouch in and fasten stuff to the wall. I, I do that first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So then I have to take all the bins of soil put them all back in that's the my back doesn't even like me no more yeah yeah (laughs) i actually i got a wheelbarrow and uh i'm I'm fortunate where i got the roll-up cage or the roll-up doors right and especially those walking cages now it's just shoveling into a wheelbarrow and i'm not i don't even get a full shovel full anymore i don't need to be reaching way in with that shovel i get in there at the end when stuff's at the back i got a push broom and (laughs) i'm in there pushing this stuff and uh, shoveling it out, and I have to take it slow. I got to make a day for it because it's not yeah. worth hurting myself. If I hurt myself, then you know, then I'm yeah. in bed rather than taking care of the collection. And I'm literally uh, taking out soil by fractions, like yeah, by a smaller <laughs> bin, and then I dump it into a bigger bin because you know you, it's it's training. Uh huh. You know? It's a lot of soil, you know? right? And lifting up five gallon buckets, you got to lift with your legs, people. You can't yeah. be doing this leaning over thing. You'll find out. You'll find out. <laughs> a full five gallon bucket of sand is easily almost 100 pounds. Absolutely. Easily. Yeah. Easily. It's yeah, crazy. It's like, yeah. Those are, those are the just, uh, just how my last couple of weeks have been. You know, so yeah. I apologize if uh, we haven't really been back up here. It's, we're actually remodeling. <laughs> Are you like remodeling the house or are you just no, we're, we're, me and you are. We're remodeling. Oh yeah. 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 It's been great. You know, and I will say this, um, if you're planning on getting into monitors or you have some and you're, you're thinking uh, about what you're going to do next, as far as cages and animals and everything, it's okay to have an empty cage. Okay. You don't have to fill it, save it, you know, use it accordingly. And if, if you're just starting off, 
get a good game plan going. Now, not everybody can go ahead and drop the money to build what they want to build. And some of these, as we've talked, the exoterras and whatnot work fine. If you can find one on Craigslist or local marketplace or something, pick them up and use them. But if you have an animal that you know is going to get larger, um, be nice to yourself. Don't put yourself in a position where you're scrambling at the end. Now the animal's you know, bigger. You've put it off to now build the cage because you're going to have to go through the same process unless you're good at construction or you know somebody that is and they can knock out a cage for you real quick. Uh, you'll have to do all this. It's almost mental time. And yeah. for me, that's usually the most frustrating. Once I have the plan in place, I can get physical. I can get in there and get it done. But the, you know, knowing what parts go together, that's from lights to doors, yeah. hinges like, or sliders. I had to walk a lot of people through, like on the phone, walk them through Home Depot just yeah. to, you know, hey, like you're going to go. It's weird, but you're going to go all the way to the back and get all this fencing material or the foam is in the back. It's not it's not where you think the foam is, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or like, uh, um, you know, to look for the right caulking and the, you better get the gun, too. You know, it's right. Like, you're, not, you're not just you have to everything. All these little things, they add up just the materials to do add up alone, you know, and you can get frustrated. Some of these things. um don't really apply to apply to everybody or like uh if you're in a small little cramped place or let's say you want to do it in an apartment make it in an enclosure is not going to work really you have to air right. out stuff and so you got to stuff having stuff be made on your balcony or or uh, made outside and then brought in in pieces or something like that yeah that's true but, but you um, can't paint you can't um use lacquers or uh polyurethane <laughs> Kill yourself, kill your animals. Um, even the low or no like VOC type of stuff. Um, yeah. For peace of even mind. Dry lock. Even dry lock. I do it outside. It has a sound. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I've been fortunate to have this kind of room. But if that's you and that's your situation, uh, if you can't do it at somebody else's house or you don't have the room to use those type of materials, then it might be beneficial to you to use a um a the cage maker yeah or a pvc if it's you know you, you're not ready you can't drop the money for a nice pvc cage uh a tote but have a game plan you know if you have you're starting off with a baby they grow fat monitors grow exceedingly fast exceptionally fast um so have a game plan in place and uh i'm saying this on my side of things i, I do have a lot of animals now but as I'm growing, I knew I wanted to change some things. I, there was a vision I had. I wanted to make things work a certain way. But it's led me into some, some hangups, some actual um, issues that could affect my animals. And that might be scheduling for, for permits or a guy doesn't show up and he can't show up till the following week. But now I have animals in bags and totes and, and I've moved everything. It's like it's a oh, headache. Yeah. Do I get do I move everything back, you know, and then just do it again next week? So some of these issues have come up. Now, that won't be the reality for everybody. But you can always do yourself a favor if you're planning on having animals or if you're like the rest of us and you have you've gotten your first monitor um, or whatever reptile it is. More likely, you're going to want more. So plan out for more, you know, th start thinking now. Think of how yeah. you're going to accomplish that. Think about the look you want. 
and try to aim for that, you know, or be realistic with yourself and say, I'm going to have animals in converted totes for about this long. And, um, you know, just, just have a, have a discussion with yourself. Uh, I, I wish I did more of this myself. Uh, I actually didn't know what I was going to be looking at in a lot of these senses. So I didn't know what to expect, but now on this side of thing, I just want to share with you guys, uh, do this for yourself, especially if, if you're starting like the, the people I mentioned that are starting to have some success in babies. Um, if you are seeing reproductive events, not even eggs yet, not even eggs on the ground. If you're seeing those reproductive events, start building baby cages, baby setups, um, yeah. <laughs> figure out where you're going to put them, start testing your temperatures, start watching it once the lights are on and seeing how the soil reacts or the substrate and dries out. Do that all in advance. It's going to save you a lot of time and hopefully a lot of heartache because you're going to be confident where you can just drop your babies in and take off running. You won't have to do any experimenting with brand new babies. Uh, brand new cages. Right, right. So, And if you have monitors that are producing and you're doing well with them, more likely you're going to have more babies on the way. So uh, do yourself that favor. Get ahead of it as much as you can. You can't plan or, or um, prevent all the mistakes, of course, but yeah, try to get ahead. Yeah. All right, I think I beat that one down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as far as uh, you know, the the new the new keepers that are possibly listening to this, you know, as far as planning out, you know, don't set yourself up to fail. Um, mm-hmm. Get get what you want as a monitor, and you know realize how much space it'll eventually take up. Um, but don't buy a bunch of babies, and then in a, in a few months have to sell them all. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's heartbreaking, and it's tough on the animals too. Um, you know, I mean, we kind of want them to be in a in a in a position for a while before they even have to go somewhere. Not you know, right? Not have, to have you also bond with the thing and then have to resell it, or even have to go through just the tightness of space, right? Yeah. Having a bunch of monitors sounds really cool, um, and. Uh, I've seen a lot of people just do that and then end up in, in a position where they're just overwhelmed with so much, you know, um, yep. I mean, even, even in stuff like myself, I, I have a ton of paired stuff, but I also have extra stuff that are possibilities, right? But those possibilities that can be utilized as a, a, a possible male or possible female that I've held back or um, trying to use um you know they, they end up being more work than anything else you know it's just uh kind of want to hone in on my bonding animals or my animals that work well together and the animals that essentially don't or don't produce um you know, they, they go elsewhere i try not to but eventually i'll have to have room for more babies and mm-hmm. more and more babies i, I right now already with the indicus that are supposed to hatch, I have their cage ready. Basically, my typical indicus setup already. That's you know going. Then I have Kimberleys that are going to come out that are going that are younger than the current clutch that is hatching. And then there's Kyle eggs in there now. Oh yeah, there's Kyle eggs in there now. Yeah. Um, yeah so um, that's a that's a that's a hard one for me to to tell everybody just yet. But yeah, there's a. <laughs> 
but um, you know, so it's like, how am, I gonna, how am I gonna have room for all this? And so, yeah. I myself have to really consider about um, space and time management on when I have all these babies. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the stuff that is essentially extra takes up space, takes up time, is going to have to go. <clears throat> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tough call. Yeah. Uh, it's very true. You know, uh, you get into the position where there's it's time for babies to hatch. And um, especially if I mean, you can do this just with a couple animals, even uh, yeah, if, if you like two pairs or something. Yeah. If you have a yeah. trio of Ackies, let's say, and both females go and there's those females out there that'll give you like 15 to 20 eggs, you know, and all of a sudden, let's say it's the high end. And now you have potentially 30 to 40 babies to take care of. Um, that might sound great as far as, oh, man, I'm going to, you know, be able to make some money off of that. <laughs> <That's all laughs> and it might be true, but first you got to take care of those babies, those little mouths, and make sure they're doing well. And uh, setting up that many babies, and you can come up with a plan where, okay, I'm going to do five per cage. Okay. That's still a lot of cages. And what happens if they don't all get along? What happens if they don't? Um, yeah, the tail nippers and the toe yeah. nippers, or the once they uh, come out very dominant. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a there's a pecking order, and I mean that's why you see people. I mean that's not the only reason, but that's why you see people with missing toes and tails. Right. And a lot of the dwarf monitors because of you know overcrowding. Yeah. Um, just like just like bearded dragons. You, we've all seen their nub tails, and it's basically from them going ham at each other. Absolutely. So you're, yeah. you know, you're potentially in a situation if you have 30, 30 babies off of two females, and they're hatching around the same time, because a lot of times they'll go pretty close to each other. Um, now you have thirty babies, and for whatever reason, you have to separate them into trios. Uh, maybe for, you know, as Kai mentioned, the dominance reason to make sure everybody's getting food. It's easy for you. You're talking 10 baby setups. Okay. So, um, it, that's, that's, you know, we're not just talking to the breeders out there that or I'm saying at a higher level of, of breeding and, uh, you know, mass number of animals. This is, this is very possible for you as just the person that's keeping a trio, um, to have more, you have a really really good uh producing female if you just have a pair and then she wants to go let's just say every two and a half three months she's going back to back to back you have to be able to raise the babies you have to be able to do something within two months yeah within within two months you basically have to grow those get rid of them to make room for the next clutch or you'll be overlapped yep my 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 safe net for hatching out babies and and selling them it's roughly two to three months sometimes if the babies took really long i'm gonna hang on to that baby till i feel like it's ready mm-hmm. but realistically try to be good with the well-started part offering babies that are good to go not fresh or you know it's only been a couple weeks they haven't really had a shed yet things like that right um and so the you know the mm-hmm. animals shipping the customers fare better as well so yeah yeah uh just things to think about i guess i 
some of the stuff that's been coming up that I wanted to share or been in the back of my mind um, as people have been asking about, you know, this or that with hatchlings and babies. It's just a reality with, with monitors that, you know, you don't have to face with snakes. You have almost a whole nother year to, uh, to deal with baby snakes uh, until the next season comes around. I know there's a few that can multi-clutch in a, in a year, but um, nothing like monitors, not at the same number. Yeah, if you can get them really going and take care of them right, I mean, you're looking. We don't really want to recommend pumping them, but they can really go like every twenty to thirty days a clutch. They yeah, can go that fast. Where they're done with one, you thought that it was a great idea to just feed them and feed them and feed them, or that's just your natural, you know, your natural routine with how you take care of them or something like that. They put on the weight and ability to go again and bam another 15 20 days easy yep. easy enough to have a whole another clutch i've had my animals do it um, i think alan you've had back to back you know yeah. and um that also when you look at the time frame you no longer have two months to grow a clutch <laughs> yeah you have 15 days 20 yep. days and that's that's kind of you know kind of too fast unless you, you you're selling it to somebody that knows what they're doing and it's kind of like a it's a no-brainer but um if you're gonna keep and kind of sell individually to people it's different you're gonna hang, yep. hang on to all those yeah and i bring this up so you can take into consideration that life happens to all of us whether it's uh, all of a sudden your daily routine you go to work or school and you come home, you take care of your animals, you're seeing, you know, some breeding starting or you're getting eggs. Everything is good. But then something changes, you know, um, possibly a change in a relationship or a death in the family, uh, a move. Or just like a new routine. Like, let's say you weren't doing it before, but now you just got to take your daughter to soccer practice and you got to be there. Yep. So that's yep. hours out of your day or something like that or or what it's whatever, you know, and in. Even myself, I got a lot, a lot of grasshopper stuff going on, and I have to do and pay attention to them every day. And the monitor stuff is a little bit more of periodically, mostly when I have to deal with them and pull out any eggs. It's more of me just paying attention and yeah. feeding, you know. But the grasshopper stuff can be quite consuming, and then I'm not, I have, not only do I have to deal with people and the shipping and all that stuff like that. It's like, all right, I have to make sure that I'm not lagging on the what the monitors are doing and i at least at the minimal check nest box check temperatures make sure my lows are low enough but not too low and make sure mm -hmm. my highs aren't too high the cages that i'm worried about put a thermostat on you know things like that and so um yeah it's just the super precautionary now you know yeah um, different things too is um you know, say that same scenario we're talking about. Now you got to have potentially, you know, a number of baby cages setups. Um, you have to wire all those, uh, especially if you have like an older house that has some kind of janky wiring. Uh, <laughs> you might want to, yeah, fifteen, wanna 15 door monitor cages. That's a <laughs> lot of cages. <laughs> You're pumping out a lot of heat. Um, there's, there's you start getting into some interesting things that I've heard from people. Actually, I heard one guy who had to alternate um, the lighting for the cages. So he would do four cages. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A uh, few cages every four hours. They would get four hours of heat. That heat would shut off. Now the ambient in there was about 80 degrees in the room, 
Um, and that was through some other cool things he kind of did to basically trap that heat in there. Um, but he could only offer cause he couldn't pump that much wattage out of the, the outlets that he had or the, the wiring that he had set up in that room. So he would have to do four cages at a time and it worked for him, but I'm not saying that's uh, a good or bad thing. I'm saying these are some of the things you might have to consider. Um, also <clears throat> food. Uh, it's really easy and great for n- brand new babies to chase down crickets and crickets are for the most part are available until they're not, or you pick up a box and they're all dead and the next shipment doesn't come in for a week. You know, you got to plan for these things. So not only do you have to get good at taking care of crickets when you're using those as food items, um, making sure they get the nutrients they need and you don't have this big die off, but they make noise if they're in the house, they stink. They stink. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's and, grasshoppers out there now in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully. So get, get those things going, you know, talk to Kai, um, start a roach colony if you can. Other things you might want to do, teach your animals to eat egg. Offer it to them. Leave them in there. Um, teach them to eat chopped up pinks. Have a, a bag or two of, you know, you can order in bulk. You can order uh, bags of pinks by the hundred. And yeah, there's, there's most of your monitors aren't too diet specific. Like let's say uh, Savannah's um, kind, of, right. kind of should have more vertebrate diet. Um and they, they still can have some of the other stuff, just not a ton of it without exercise. They just end up blobs. Um, and so, you know, uh, you want to basically um, have stuff that is kind of light, you know, I wouldn't, and it's still providing a lot, not nothing like you're not going to feed it just a bunch of rats all the time. And right. Yeah. Just uh, things like that. You can, you know, for little guys, you can mince up a, a rodent, you know, put some calcium dust on it or something like that. That's fine. Um, and then you just want to alternate that with other stuff. Um, you know, there's some prolific, really, really prolific stuff out there, like lobster roaches and red runners. The only thing is that the two of them basically are wall climbers and they kind of are, they can be a very, a very bad pest in your place if if it supports them, especially the red runners, because they're they're definitely oh, yeah. more like a more like a common cockroach. Um, but the 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 lobsters are going to need a little bit more. They're, they'll they'll actually dry out. And they'll they'll die. Yeah. Um, but still, wall climbers escaping your enclosure while you're putting in food is not pretty. No. Um, you know. Yeah. So then, and even then, I don't want to scare you guys. There's ways to do it, like a Vaseline bin, and then grabbing your feeders freezing them for a good 45 seconds and then taking them out dusting them and then essentially leaving them in a dish. But, you know, and that dish is stable. You can't tip that dish over. Right. So you're just throwing stuff into a stable dish. Right. Um, or a crock bowl or something like that. They can't yep. get out of it. Because they will knock stuff over. Your, your animals will knock stuff over. And um, then there's roaches everywhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, something I've had, to, <laughs> something I've had to do lately. So, um, there's not just like a, a market for food processing stuff just for reptiles, okay? So uh, regular food processing items can come in handy, but you got to be in kind of a dark mindset, <laughs> all right? So don't um, tell the wife. Don't, oh, yeah. don't tell her. When you're feeding <laughs> a lot of 
baby animals. And let's say you're in the position where half the cricket order died or whatnot, as I found myself recently. So I have, you know, uh, a pretty good amount of frozen rodents, uh, including pigs. But I don't necessarily have have all the time to sit there with scissors and chop up these baby pinks. Okay? I got the time. <laughs> well, I'm saying sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But when you got a lot of little mouths to feed, um, there's yeah. this this little like. So there's a imagine you got this clear bottom dish. It's meant for cutting vegetables, and you slap the top. You put them in there. It's got like this grid of blades, right? So you could put like half an onion in there and you slap the top killer. and it, it come, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it comes out as, you know, these little fine little chunks of onions or whatnot, whatever vegetable you're doing, tomatoes or whatnot. And I'm sitting there looking at my wife doing this one day and I'm like, oh, I could use that. And so sure enough, I got myself one and you know what? I can put about 20 baby pinks in there, one slap down into the dish now i'm reaching in there with a rubber glove and just putting them in little baby dishes and i'm handing them out and it's saving me a lot of time that's it is it is you know rather than cutting them all up my thumbs and hands hurt after i have to do that so much all right yeah i i have a thing okay so it's um i hope it's not a secret but i use um for my animals egg ratios and how much they produce I just don't dust. I use pretty good bone. Um, the bone quality in the feeders that I use is pretty dense. So mm -hmm. I also use very large rats, but I'm not just feeding my my medium monitors or small monitors big rats. So I have to sit there, take off all the heavy hair, remove that hide. Essentially, it's a, it's a whole hide on that rat, right? And I'm essentially just using these sheer bone cutting scissors and even then that hurts your hands too you yep. know and i'm just uh, literally mincing this jumbo wrap into uh, like fragments of pieces that are like nickel size and uh, i save that and i bag that up and i whenever i need to use that i'll utilize it but um you know especially for the females or just if i need to utilize it because i'm out of mice or something like that right and man it's uh it uh, it definitely definitely hurts, man. After <laughs> five minutes of cutting that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're, so I guess we're talking food prep, just like some of these people. <laughs> you know, you'll prep your chicken and sweet potatoes if you're on one of those fancy diets. This is uh, monitor food prep. <laughs> yeah, but there's so much that we can go into for food. I mean, we've already we've gone into food before, but yeah, um, you know, there's always some something a little bit new or um, I, I don't know like the whole egg yolk thing a lot of, it's a common practice between most of us but the newer people don't really push that right like dipping stuff in egg yolk to get stuff to eat stuff yeah to get monitors to eat like let's say they don't eat roaches dip it in some egg yolk yeah um but you know it's just it i guess thinking in advance has been on my mind and um figuring out ways to handle situations that pop up and hopefully this can help some of you guys out there uh i if you're able to go to the store pick up your roaches your crickets and uh maybe a, a rodent or two and it's not a big deal because maybe you only have one or two animals that's great but i would highly suggest picking a place and um figuring out where you can maybe get like a bag of pinks a, a 50 100 count or whatnot it doesn't take up a whole lot of room. Throw it in the freezer for that rainy day. 
you know, yeah. where you're just, um, you need to get some food, some quality food items and something happened. Your pet store closed down. Maybe they got shut down. Like we, we saw for COVID, um, different things like that. Have that backup plan because everything works fine until it doesn't. And then you're scrambling. So save yourself, um, that situation, being in that situation, if you can, not everybody can, but if you can think ahead, just a lot of times I'm just living in the present. I'm, you know, pop in, what am I doing today? And, uh, I've had to been forced Make a list. Yeah. Make a giant list. Yeah. Forced to, uh, think about these things. So, um, yeah, man, that's, what's been going on. I think I, I shared this with Kai, but as some of you know, I've, had these super high hopes. I've been wanting to do this Dorianus project for a while. It is kicking me in the nuts and in the heart. <laughs> so, and in the uh, wallet. And in the wallet. Yes, it's true. Um, you want to start with, you know, good looking animals. Uh, there's a certain way I wanted to do this project. Uh, I've been so fortunate with all the animals I've had that uh, even other imports, um, really just locking on, um, following suit and, you know, being, becoming part of the, the collection where I can just drop into a routine. Um, and usually if something's going wrong, they give me some signs that something is going wrong or maybe, <laughs> maybe with Dorianas, I don't know how to look for the signs yet. They are a little secretive. Of course. That's, that's what makes, um, Indicus types and Indicus complex. So hard. Oh, so just the signs are so subtle, man. Uh, it's hard for me sometimes, and I, I'm pretty meticulous on paying attention. But yeah, man, you miss it, and something's just confused the, sh the heck out of you. And uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one because I haven't worked with all the species of you know uh, underneath the Indicus complex, but they're uh, the, most of them are pretty pretty flighty tricky all shy don't really show themselves much and and they freeze whenever you're trying to do stuff around them you know yeah yeah and you know it's it's been hard because um it, with other monitors you usually see in my experience i've seen signs it's usually um some type of weight loss or you see them looking dehydrated or maybe there's been some fighting if you keep them together now this wasn't necessarily the case with uh, with these Dorianus. Um, basically, animals that were kept separate that I would watch feeding the day before, or I would spray down the cage and I would see like a tongue flicking out from a cork tube and then go in the next day and there's that animal dead. And I'm kicking myself trying to figure out what's going on. So... Um, you know, I, I haven't been kicked around like that. I haven't had this experience before. I've, like I said, I've been a little spoiled, a little fortunate uh, in the animals that I've worked with. But these Dorianus are kicking my butt. I will say that. Now, that that being said, um, there was one I got from uh, the guy down south that, uh, Kai, you helped me out with. That, that one's doing great. It's actually a really cool, personable animal. Um, he's gotten to the point where he will tong feed, but he, he usually has to be behind some kind of cover, but he will tong feed now. Um, which is great. Uh, he's usually out and unless I'm messing with the door on his cage, he'll just stay out and, and chill out. Great looking. Um, the two young ones are also, they're still skittish, but they are starting to understand where the food comes from. 
Uh, so they're a little more curious. I'll see faces and, and tongue flicks and whatnot, and they don't run as far as fast anymore. You know that? It was kind of like, I still don't trust Yeah, they're just darting into the wall, bashing their noses. <laughs> right. It's yeah, like man, I... about a, a foot and a half dart away, and then they turn back and look to make sure, you know, you're you're not trying to chase them or hurt them. So yeah. all those guys are doing good. Um, I'm not going to give up on the project. Uh, so for – I've – I had one die in shipping. I had one die. Uh, well, I, and then the other three died within, I think, the week that they got here. Yeah. So uh, a good four or five animals. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's been a been a been a, a tough one, man. Nothing comes kind of nothing comes easy with those guys. It sucks. Yeah, I you know I have two choices too. I can I can kind of hide this information from the listeners or other people. And just, you know, maybe in a few years show success. And it's just like, wow, he just picked it up and got it. And uh, yeah. I did everything perfect. That's not the truth. I'm dealing with imports and my own uh, education as far as taking care of them, learning for myself uh, and learning yeah. Dorianus specifically. They're totally different than um, the normal stuff. They like it a little bit cooler. It's hard to describe how they like their temperatures compared to other species of monitor lizards right um it's kind of like you on a hot day retreating to like a walk underneath the woods and then it's that dry cool shrub feel mm -hmm. that's what they like that's that when i when i do my cages i do have a very small but um useful basking area and it's it's small it's literally less than 25 percent of the cage <clears throat> and um they can only really get to that area, but the rest of the enclosure, that heat slowly radiates out that way, and it heats it just enough to make it that like eighties, high seventies temperature. Yeah, and that's what they like the most. Yeah, and Kai, you've been doing this work, you know. So, um, and Kai has been helping me, guys. Uh, he's been talking to me about the the way you want these things set up, uh, and I've been listening. I've been trying to uh, emulate what he's been telling me as far as temperatures and. Just the things we've even talked about here on the show as far as um, hides, getting them used to you, finding that balance between giving them enough security, um, but not making it this ordeal when you have to get in there and you have to check on them. Because some animals will hide themselves to death. Yeah. Um, it, it does happen. Um, you've taken them out of their you know jungle where they had a home range and knew everything, and now you're putting them in a box. And it is, it is a reality of our hobby, you know. Um, yeah. I wish I could say I could pull and learn from captive-bred Dorianus and from a Dorianus breeder. But they, that person doesn't yeah. exist yet, not in a large number. Um, yeah. And those animals don't exist yet. So it's... Uh, it's, a tough, it's a tough one, yeah. So, like, yeah. Uh, dealing with shy animals, I mean, like, I guess this would be a good one for some people to really pick up because there's a lot of shy monitors or that's a case that you know we deal with we have we hear all the time how do i get them to be tolerable or how do you get them to be tame or uh, high as it doesn't eat you know things like that these are typical things that we go through i've gone to them even when i buy animals now or get animals in now um and i have to deal with that again um not all the time now is it just just because i'm an uh so-called expert or i've been doing this i still got to deal with animals that man are tricking me too they're very hard for me to deal with too i 
just because I, I can tame some animals down, that's two or three out of like 15 animals. So how really successful is that? You know, I'm just really, those are my animals that I can play with. You know, other than that, I give all the other ones the respect that they deserve, which is space. Yeah. Uh, and I have, I have one that I just got in and it's, uh, it's actually a gem in my collection now, but I don't know if I'll be hanging onto it just because it's, it's more of a breeder loan. Um, shout out to my friend, uh, uh, Brian JTK. Um, this is basically a loan from him. I'm just taking care of it now, trying to see if it'll be compatible with my other males that I have that are um, very similar in locality wise. Not the same, but they are like an Indonesian type with a blue tongue. I just want to see if they can arc somewhat compatible. Um, but I have a now uh, black mangrove monitor, which is like a mel. It's it's melanistic. Um, and it's, cool. it's got it's got mellow it's got uh, mangrove features definitely definitely not um Becari and definitely not like um any black dragon or or salvator species for sure indicus type um now when i'm looking at the pattern um to describe this one before i get into its personality um you know like the black dragon when you're looking at the animal, it does look black. And especially when they're babies, there is a black sheen to them. But if you looked at them underneath the light, a lot of times there's a un, there's a subtle pattern and a mm -hmm. dorsal spotting underneath all that blackness if you were to shine a light on it. And it basically, it's like a, um, the undertones of, of all that, right? And so you can still make out what it is. This one has a lot of small speckles, just like a typical mangrove monitor would end up having at around three foot which is kind of what the size is it is now and so um when i'm looking at it underneath the light uh natural light in the shade it's black it looks pitch black it just it's blacker than black it's its eyes are dark its belly is dark its uh, nails are dark it's mm -hmm. yeah the dorsal the sides the tail flanks everything is basically black there is no like Oh, this is just a darker species because, and then it has like yellow bands and white bands on it, or something like that. It's, it's a pretty dark animal. But then underneath, like lighting that's, um, inside, when you can really look, there's a very, very a bunch of millions and millions of little, 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 little specks, and um, yeah, it's uh, definitely not melanus, or obar, which. Are, is basically dark melanus, yeah. um, right? And they have the same dorsal spotting underneath the black sheen. So it's definitely not Vranus melanus or Vranus obar, um, which is the torch monitor. Um, and so, yeah, this is definitely a totally different animal. Now, the behavior of this animal is something that I haven't dealt with in years, years since I was a kid or something. But this monitor... And then the side of you drops his food, um, defecates at the side of you, uh, will regurgitate the side of you. Uh, <laughs> this thing hasn't, I don't even think it's bassed at all. Oh since man. It's, since it's been here. Yeah, yeah. It's basically just tucked away in a little, little tight pot. It has eaten though. It has eaten two mice. Um, so I'm not going to sweat it too much. It, it's eating. Yeah. And that, Ladies and gentlemen, is all you can ask for. Yeah, you just hope it eats. 
Um, then, you know, you start to worry if it doesn't eat and you start to do different tricks and making sure it's comfortable enough. Um, and sometimes it's the, it's the weirdest things, but I've actually had to strip the cage a little bit less hides because it's not really using them anyways, but, um, it's kind of just tucked somewhere in behind the nest bin that I have already situated for it. Um, so I'm just going to let it settle in if in, I would say, you know, weeks it's doing the same thing i'm probably going to take the nest bin out it's not going to need to lay mm -hmm. so i i just have it in there because i'm always cautious of all the females that i have because new females going to new cages have to claim that and then they typically always go into a cycle for me that's my experience when i move females into new cages yeah so if i wasn't prepared for that within that time frame she can basically lay or something like that that i don't even know it's very hard. It's subtle for mangrove monitors because they're still very streamlined when they're grabbing. And so it's not like they're just bulging and busting out and you can just see them at the seams. No, they'll hide those two or three eggs just like they're looking. They'll even have the lateral folds but still be grabbing. Mm -hmm. And so um, I got to really just be prepared even if I don't, if I know or not. Um, so that's why the nest bends in there. But yeah, man, this animal is so shy. And I, I'm going to have to really uh, think about and question how I'm going to have to actually set this up to actually make it work. Because if an animal doesn't eat on the regular, it's not going to produce. So it's just, yeah, it'll just sit there. And so it'll be a, it'll, it'll be a different. And if it's also difficult where, man, the male is so overbearing because he's, most of my males are all great. They're eaters. They're, they'll, they'll take the food, you know, mm -hmm. and if she's not, up to eating on a clock type schedule where it's like all right you're gonna eat for me every other day no problem no missing then she'll complete the cycle type stuff but if she's gonna be only wanting to eat like once a week if that very dainty meal is just because she's very shy and then regurgitates half the times so that she sees you or just drops the food and runs all the added effort you took for it to just snatch the food is all gone and then you've kind of just went you know like you lost all your pork <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah so um i try i try to then just back off and try it again leave the food in a dish uh, I'm, I'm glad she ate the, the couple mice so uh, i'll yeah. leave it at that you know yeah it's, that's all i can really do now and sometimes um you know you're <clears throat> talking about animals regurgitating um just out of stress or whatnot um what I've been figuring out and finding out lately is that um, smaller food items are still food items. It might get yeah. them to the next day. Okay. Tiny, tiny. Yeah. If you're thinking a regular mouse is what they should be eating, or just just for example, and they're not, or they're regurgitating it, smaller food item. It's still cut something. it into four pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Till till they learn how to eat, how to keep it down, something like that. Um, you know, as of recently with the um the tree monitors so i just had to make a decision to i was watching them giving them their space a little bit um but i had and i'm still to a certain degree having to teach these animals to drink um they would sometimes drink if, when i sprayed the cages so i was doing that pretty consistently um but it got to the point where i just had to hold animals faces in water bowls <coughs> until they started drinking um, other things I've had to do is, you know, um, kind of syringe feed, uh, and it's, 
I, I didn't let it get to the point where I'm holding on to this on death's doorstep animal. Uh, I didn't want to get to that point that that could be stressful in itself. And then trying to feed that animal, you know, might be enough to send it over the edge. So without getting there, I made the decision, okay, I'm not waiting for you. I'm going to make sure you're getting locked on. And so the deworming, the, uh, the antibiotics, the water, water. Yeah. Water. So one of the things is um, critical care, which you, mixed with water so it's it's a company called oxbow critical care and i learned this actually from a a guy i've worked with as far as breeding ackies um but he would use it for some of the i guess you would say the uh um, shy animals that you know would come out in a clutch uh the other ones would be dominant um and sometimes these animals would stop feeding he would usually keep a clutch together Uh, some of the times the animals would stop feeding And so he learned that, hey, you can use this. You can give them a little shot of this. It's not a shot. I say shot, but you're actually an oral injection of this. And it gets them those calories. And then he'll move them into a different setup. Um, Different ways to use it for different situations. Um, I'm not saying that's the greatest situation because I think he was keeping too many together at once in the first place. (laughs) So he kind of put himself in that position. But... um, you know, I've, I've used that because you, you mix this salute or you mix this powder with water. And then so what I was doing was I was sucking up um, the right amount of pan cure, the dewormer, into the syringe. And uh, then so I was shooting that down their throat. And then I was also then sucking up the um, mixture that Oxbow critical care. And that's got a lot of water in it. And I would shoot that down their throat. And I've been doing that. I'm still doing it with a few animals. Um, some animals were feeding fine off the bat, uh, but I did it with everybody to make sure not only they were getting the dewormer and antibiotics in there, um, but to make sure there's something in their stomach too during this process, make sure they were getting calories. Um, and it, it seems to be working okay. And oddly enough, the tree monitors have kind of gotten used to me handling them, even though they're, they're, imports they're shy they've kind of gotten used to it so it's uh, they're interesting animals it's my first real experience with anything but the blue trees um but those blue trees were already established when they came to me so um but having a lot of good times i think the there was a gravid female in the green trees um but i do think it was pretty obvious that she reabsorbed uh which scared me too because i didn't know what to expect but she's doing fine uh, yeah it's it's been some fun but i guess maybe one of the reasons i'm i'm saying this is and as you'll know kai um sometimes you got to go hands-on sometimes you can't wait for something to happen you have to make a decision and do it and uh, otherwise your animal might fail um you know you might not be able to get into a vet right away uh, or the vet uh like in my situation there's an awesome vet but I have to like, it, it could be an emergency for me and yet it's still like two weeks to get in, you know, uh, they're just so busy. With, yeah. With, I hate that. Yeah. That's why I, I asked the doctor for so many of those drugs Yeah, and uh, medicine. So I got uh, like a tub of silver cream. Yeah. Right. Cause I'd have to go in quite often to have to do that. It's not, it's not that expensive for the silver cream, but it is no longer available 
over the counter at CVS that it like it used to be. So yeah, um, it's now that really good silver cream. Anyways, there's kind of like diluted stuff out there, but it's not very good. And it's a gel. This stuff is like a paste. It stays on a lot better. Um, but then yeah, so I also have um, injections and needles that they've supplied me to. So I have, um, I myself have a lot of aggressive animals or more so not essentially compatible with each other and so i only try to introduce them and sometimes it's the wrong time and they bite each other yeah. um, or the whole process they the male or the female it goes both ways um or even something like he snagged himself trying to get behind a court court flat and he hit a nail and he kind of scraped himself or something yeah. um that opens a wound i can't have it wet i have to give him injections probably put some food i even have um antibiotics that i can use for oral as well so i, I don't um put injections in a syringe though because i end up always busting their teeth in the side of their mouth because they always they're horrible at opening their mouth so <laughs> just, uh, they're, they're readily eating so i don't have to do that right so what i do is i open up the mouth of the rodent and i just boop, put a little uh, yeah. a little uh, little tic-tac drop of antibiotics in there for them and um <clears throat> they get that as well uh, when i whenever i need to have them heal their wounds faster mm -hmm. um but yeah and i got it last year oh i was like hey this year i'm actually so pleased because things are growing they're more they've like duped it out so many times that they don't duke it out anymore you know? nice actually um, very nice yeah and then um and then also my current setups now are all partitioned so i even have the aggressive ones together but there's a a, a, a thing there that keeps them from biting each other now so um yeah and i had to re redo all that to benefit to help me from all the headache provide me more space saves me from losing animals and limbs and right having to patch them up so much because what it is is when i have to patch them up the conditions are changed. I actually don't keep them humid anymore. I don't spray them. Uh, they barely have a little cup of water to drink because I have to keep the wounds really dry. So in a sense, it is kind of beneficial for me because I am putting them through that dry period, but their conditions aren't that great. And so I'm not really into bringing them at that time until I get them back up, right? And so um, they'd have to basically sometimes be kept on no bedding at all because the mm -hmm. bedding gets into the wound and i have to then wash it out make sure it's not infected so dry bare enclosure until that thing heals up and their scar tissue is when i put them back into soil I, um, do you use super glue no i don't man okay i just <laughs> uh, what i do though is if it's bleeding uh-huh i i put it's like an old flower trick but i just use calcium mm -hmm. and i just throw it on the wound <laughs> it's okay. like yeah, so I don't know if yeah. you've ever heard of, like, if you had your own, all right, man, I've had to, like, you know, uh, patch up wounds myself, right? And yeah. um, I was just bleeding from the face, and I had just flour to coagulate all the blood. Yeah. And just, yeah, man. Um, I've the done flour, the cornstarch. Corn <laughs> yeah, just, uh, just um, that's what I took that from. So now I use calcium powder. And it's just like quick stop or something like that. But I put it on the wound and yeah. just pat it in and it just it coagulates it and it just keeps it from from bleeding out or, yeah. Yep. 
Yeah, something weird that I do, but it's just it's just dust over blood that stops it from leaking. But, you know, real quick, I, w- I want to go back to something you said that I think is super important is that your animals, you were saying they've duped it out enough to the point where they're calming down. They don't need to duke it out anymore. And uh, yeah, that's a tough one to describe. Well, I think it's huge too, because this is that, that kind of like ground level work that yeah. you're going to do to provide captive bred animals in the future. And then right. if people want, you know, this is, um, one of the reasons or one of the arguments for keeping uh, any, any type of monitor to get trios or a small groups of animals so you can raise them together, because like Kai mentioned earlier, there's a pecking order. And it seems that these things will get worked out at a younger age when things aren't as volatile. Uh, yeah, as- I mean, they happen the most when they're young. So like when they're, all right, when they're babies, not so much, maybe over food or, you know, they'll push each other a little bit. And sometimes they'll wrestle, but when they get to that sub-adult stage, it's like biting and right. pinning and raping a little bit. You basically are mounting the other one, even if it's like female to male, female on top of the male, okay, right. but not the other way around, or female to female or male to male. You know, these these things are all all within reasons of them learning, growing into sub-adults as groups. Mm-hmm. It's, people or are going to witness this they're like hey i bought a female why is it mounting my male i just put it in there it's mounting because it's dominating it's trying to dominate it it's that pecking order that they're serving yeah um and so yeah they're just duking it out and i i have uh young animals right um i don't introduce so from the very get-go obviously they're born with each other so they're, they're they're already raised with each other but you know once they're on that lone sub-adult tip and they're essentially you know not ready to breed yet but obviously they're no longer babies so they're you know in this lone cage now right um i introduce them to the girls right away so they know what to do they learn at a very young age this is this is this is what you're going to be doing you know um about that about that year old mangroves really don't get going until they're two to three five years old um so you gotta wait a while for for me i've had to wait a while even if they give you most of those clutch when they're very young aren't that great um but when they get older and they're in their more in their prime um then yeah but um yeah man as far as just uh, just me training the younger males to get into action they're typically inexperienced right they're scared they're insecure they're basically not confident right yeah the male the female picks up on that and she'll dominate them basically take over and uh this this male the kyle half that i have now um that's a little ermius right and i have his man i have his dad still so that's big ermius um little ermius is basically growing in he's now a year and a half old um good size good three feet and still very young though but he's had the last six months to go in with three or four different females you know all kyolin types so i can make 75 percenters and then um he's learned with them they've learned with him they're no longer shy with him so he can go with every single one of those girls now and they're more confident because i've now introduced males into them 
So it's like, all right, it's breeding time or, you know, I'm not just going to frantically go crazy, right? I do have a pair that is frantic. That, <laughs> but, but One or two. They're separated. They're separated. Yeah. Um, but most of my other pairs are, are quite compatible. You know, Jody is, Jody is really good. Um, Little Ermius is really good. And essentially, they've always been with other ones as they've gone into the sub-adult stage and into the adult mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. Um, and so... Yeah, it's a, it's it's a it's a it's a bit of um, asserting who's who, who's in charge. But now that they've been with each other for a good um, a good, let's say several months back and forth, right? Because several months ago she'd beat his ass. She'd actually <laughs> run him down, bite his arms, literally like. I laugh, did, but it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. She grabbed him and threw him to the other side of the cage. <laughs> Right. And um, I was like, all right, I'll separate. Like, obviously, you don't like them. So, um, and then I introduced them just recently and they've been locking. So it's totally, totally different. Um, Totally different now and everything like that. And so, um, yeah, it's it's much more pleasing. I don't have to separate things. He's really good. He's no longer attacking girls. He was also bitey to the other smaller girls too because yeah. i think he was trying to assert himself as well but he was actually biting them in the arm um and then i've had to patch those girls up every single time cut them back do all that other stuff that i mentioned earlier um put calcium on the on the wound inject them give them antibiotics through the mouth just to make sure that they're they're fine and they heal fast i mean right. heal like, like in weeks you know yeah, basically they're they're like a Wolverine or whatever. I mean, they can heal, they can heal pretty fast, man. It's like all, almost like overnight sometimes, especially if it's a slice. If it's yeah. a slice, then it just grooves right back together in a few days. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if we're scaring uh, possible new keepers into the Catholic bread so. direction. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's hard, man. That's why I mean I'm not I'm not trying to be you know true to my own horn. That's why you don't see very many people breeding stuff in the Indicus complex, or mm-hmm. they stop or quit or I don't know, not try certain techniques and give up or something like that, or lose them because they're fighting, like how we're talking about now. You know, yeah. like just straight up, all of a sudden they're fine, all of a sudden they're not. Tell me about it. Tell me about. It. <laughs> I didn't even have animals fighting. I just uh, I'm 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 at the step before that one. <laughs> yeah, there it's like a freeze and die. Oh, yeah. it's uh, it's it's you hear about it, you never really see it, and then all of a sudden it happens to you. It's like you were just fine. What, what's going on? Yeah. So, and guys, yeah, this we, isn't the the excuse like the animal was failing for for weeks or months, and I didn't pick. I didn't even have them for a week. They were, uh, they came in healthy. I watched them eat, and uh, this would be like the next day, or that that one female that was the same day. It's like you just drank water. I just watched you eat this morning, and then you know, then you're just gonna up and die. I was hurt, I was mad, I was so many mixed emotions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, man. It's uh, the frustrating one, you know. Luckily, so luckily, I got a lot of stuff going on here i'm kind of like really proactive with the temperatures i try not to keep it too hot there's ac running when it is too hot cool it's not really a bad issue they can kind of take it chilly and then you can you know adjust from there add the lamps but hot the heat is uh that's a quick killer yeah yeah 
Yeah, I've, I've been wondering about that, but I purposely just through our conversation set them up on lower wattage, lower basking um, temperatures overall, and made sure that yeah. the rest more of the distance between the basking area. It's yeah. like like they don't like it blistering hot, and their skin can't even take it. So yeah, if you actually accidentally have it like one forty, and then on a hot day it gets to one fifty, it's a burn. So I think going forward, man, if I do, and this for the keepers out there, I'm gonna. Um, I, I don't want to give up on Dorianus project. I'm not going to give up on it. Yeah, I mean, we don't want people as many as many people as we can. If you are, I've already put this out there a lot, and a lot of people already know I'm pretty, you know, I'm super helpful with you getting your project going on and me seeing you through the end. But if you have Melanis out there, you have Dorianus out there, you have Peach Throats out there. Um, and I can sort of apply what I do with mangrove monitors because they're in the same complex and we can see if that'll work. Um, message me. We can, we can basically get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. Your transparency will open more ideas that I could possibly come up with. But if you are very, very secretive on what you got, don't show me pictures, don't show me animals, or um, I basically have to pry into what you are doing as a regular keeper if anything i have to adjust i'll adjust it if i have to critique stuff your enclosure i'll do it um but you also have to make the changes too you know and and then be willing to essentially realize that what you're doing obviously you haven't had success so you're not exactly failing but you're gonna have to have some 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 things that click for your whole project that i might be able to help you with um, for some people, it's the temperature and the food. Um, some people, it's not ha not having the right nesting. Um, some people, it's just overall too cool. Um, just things like that. Or too hot. I've had people that want to keep stuff at 140 and misunderstand what we're talking about and and really just bake their animals. And they, they're more exhausted. They're not going to want to have sex when it's just blistering hot. They're going to, most of the time when they're mating, it's not underneath the basking lamp all the time. It's like right. off to the side, tucked in a thing on the cool side. You know, that's where most of mine are locked up all the time. I find my Kimberly's in the cool end, tucked back behind the bins. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're never just all up in the open or stuff like that. And I'd even argue on that extent, it's just that there's a lot of animals out in the wild that they don't actually breed during the middle of summer when it's blazing hot. Um, yes. Those are at different times in the year, you know uh so uh i'm learning too i'm learning this indicus family game uh it is uh it's been a, it's a tough one man yeah, yeah. it's and a I, lot of behaviors that we essentially don't know yeah so i'm i'm open to it i might have to listen back to some of the stuff and look at some pictures again and just catch the little things that i i need to apply or um yeah. you know i mean i think that'd be great to like have because I, I always tell people all right, you know, um, that's fine. You can listen and read up whatever you want. That shit may never apply, though, until sure. your adults are, like, um, you know, ready, right? And they're going through the motions. And, um, like, I got a guy, uh, um, he's actually a pretty pretty good regular communication of mine. I consider him a friend. Um, and he has melanin now. And he's not selling them. He's not trying to get rid of them. But at the same time, um 
he's got to be more devoted to the project a little bit where it's like taking taking as much opportunity as you can to pay attention to them making sure you're really strict on the diet um rotate your animals out if they need to because the females are about to lay you know sometimes it's the other one in the cage that keeps the one from laying mm -hmm. once you move it out i have had i've had indicus where i moved out the male and that very couple hours later laying that same night laid and if i would have did that before it probably would have saved those eggs or something like that yeah know? or the eggs, the eggs may have looked better or she would have gotten rid of them faster yeah um but the male was inside so she didn't want to do it and that can be detrimental to your whole project kill your female or huh. or or let's say she does lay or drop these eggs she's not always going to be eating them right but the male but the male will yeah know? yeah her behavior would be more maternal and probably not so much to eat the good eggs but the duds possibly yes and him though he's going to be right up front and center it's not like oh i'm going to guard these most of the time they're egg scavengers you know they that's what we we learn that they do in the wild when we're young we're learning about monitors you know they take uh they take up uh, crocodile eggs and raid turtle nests and things like that. And um, yeah, if you leave that in, it's, that's another detrimental part. If if you were to go through all the hard work, but not remove your male or not remove the other female at the right time. So yeah, for me, it's not just locking up. It's all the other little baby ass steps that I have to take to make sure that I'm getting the eggs and I can pull them out. You know, the nesting has to be right. The the males just can't be all willy-nilly in the cage still. Um, you know, the female, like, has to be fed well enough or else she'll reabsorb. Um, you know, just things like that where if you're not tuning into all these things, um, you can also fail. Just It's not just breeding. Right. <laughs> you know, that, that's the easy part. Right. Sometimes getting them to lock, that's so simple. Right now I'm at step 10 trying to get them to hatch, you know. <laughs> is still is still difficult even yeah. if even if i've done this for now three or four years and i've been able to hatch a few different species even now i'm into clutch number what eight or nine of mangrove monitors and it's not as it's not as simple still <laughs> it, it yeah. it's it's not as hard i definitely get eggs but that watching them go through the distance and seeing them fail and all that other hardships like the stuff that we talked about at the beginning of this conversation where you know just going through these heartaches you know yeah yeah oh and uh you know before i forget let me uh go back to one other thing we were talking about being able to get um medications and stuff like that uh just so the people know out there if you need those type of things uh pan cure or um uh, those type of things you can get usually at some type of feed store. Uh, you can order them online still. It's just a dewormer. It's a, it's a animal dewormer, uh, usually for horses or cows or whatnot. But there is still information online. That's the other thing. It's hard to find out the ratio. And you might not have the ability to weigh your animal is another thing. So you don't know exactly the you know kilograms and this and how many they sell those scales for 19.99 at bed bath and beyond so there you, you go. guys go get that scale it's there you a kitchen go scale. i have the same one i've been using it for years you know so get this stuff so you're not scrambling at the end because there if you get a sick animal you might only have a short amount of time and you know if you work during the day then that leaves you 
maybe an evening to try to run around and gather all these items. So that's why Kai says, yeah, get that scale. Um, you might need to find out if you can get syringes and the right type of syringes, okay? Don't yeah. wait. Maybe get a, a pack of these somewhere. Get a, Go wait. The f- There's yeah. a, so two syringes or two essentially um, uh, administers thingies, right? So they're not going to always sell syringes, and a lot of the other ones are too hard, right? So we'll have the pipettes that you can buy bulk for Mm -hmm. like 10 bucks on Amazon. And they're just a simple scientific pipettes that you would use in science class. You just pick up that chemical, drop it into the other one. And that's soft on the gums when you need to do oral injections, okay? Um, So you're not like using a credit card trying to pry its mouth open. It's just easily slips and you use – it's got enough strength for you to lift the lift up and then all you need to do is squirt it into the teeth and the gums. It's going to lick all that up anyways. You don't even need to get it into the throat. Right. It's just in the mouth. And then, yeah, it's uh, and then you have your syringe. Those are typically given to you by some type of company. Yeah. Or, like I get mine from the vet. You can get yours specifically through somebody. Yeah, um, know, know where you can get them or get them in advance. Go, go wait in a free clean needle line, <laughs> and uh, I mean I joke, but I know someone that that did do this to get a free syringe. Yeah, I have a yeah. I have a bag full of a hundred of them, and yeah. my vet just said, "Here you go." Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess going down to it, getting building a friendship and a relationship with the vet. Yes, can, you know, that's that's all it's all it's all it's gonna take. A lot of times the vets, they're, you know, your follow-up will be something, but if the follow-up isn't, isn't uh, curing your animal, um, typically you'll have your vet visit and the follow-up's not really much of a charge. It's, it's an actual follow-up from right. the, initial, the initial first time coming in. So typically the follow-ups are free. Um, and then, you know, if stuff before or after that doesn't really help out fixing, maybe you can ask them for stuff to bring home and you can administer it yourself. Um, yep. my vet was, even though let's say it would have him lose money for me to just do everything at home. I think it's also beneficial for him to be helping me out with all that stuff. You know, it's right. Like, he's teaching me and yeah, it's actually, actually quite beneficial for what I have going on. And because I'm not an academic and I'm just not like trained for, to read, um, you know, ultrasounds or the stuff like that i bring in the animal he helps me do half the work he helps me read it even if i don't know what i'm reading and even if he's never read it he knows knows generally generally what to look at and it's, right it's, it is specific but it can also be generalized as well yeah and just um you the, the one major hurdle you will find yourself in when when you're in this situation you got to treat a sick animal you're not going to be able to get antibiotics, okay? They're, they're almost impossible to get online. Uh, you usually need a prescription. You usually have to go through a vet. There's a few places you can still get products like Thailand, but they used to sell it on Amazon. They don't anymore uh, that I can find. You still can go to like a uh, tractor supply, I believe. Yeah, get, go go to the vet. Go to the vet. Yeah, there's true. no way to really get antibiotics unless you got like a friend that's got some. And I can yeah. just send some to Alan, you know what I mean? But it's still... 
still pretty delicate. I've had, you know, I have enough country around me up here in Northern California where I can um, call up the horse people and uh, in in a pinch and go get that. But I know where to go. If you don't know where to go, you know, have this stuff in place. So it's not just if you find yourself in the position, you're bringing home that import monitor, whether it's a water monitor, maybe it's a, a mangrove monitor. And whatever it is, it could be a Savannah monitor, maybe Savannah monitor. And now you're in a position where your animal's not eating. First off, of course, check your temps and your setup. Secondly, you know, you you might only have a small window to really make a change in this animal. So hopefully this information will come in handy. Hopefully you'll find it um, or someone will point you in the right direction to it. But these are the things that it's good to know either where to get them in a pinch or to have them on hand um, because you might, I mean, 24 hours can make a huge difference between a healthy animal and a dead animal. Um, this isn't to scare everybody. This is why we would definitely recommend captive bred animals in the first place from a breeder that's been taking care of them that can give you this kind of information. Yeah. You're just going to then get this animal and go on and hopefully have. These are all the stuff that no one tells you about, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah. It's, uh, you just, we want people to be prepared for these lizards as best as we can. Absolutely. And you don't, no one wants to sit there and watch their animal waste away. So the more that we can share with you through our own experiences and what we're doing, um, and sometimes, like I said earlier, sometimes you just got to go hands-on. You just got to make a decision. You go find a vet. If that's a you know fifty miles away, you go find a vet. Um, even if the vet is not a reptile vet, if they're a vet that you can have a good discussion with and they can help you get a prescription, that's going to make a world of difference at the beginning. Hopefully, you'll find a good reptile vet. Um, but start working on all these things. If you have a totally healthy animal right now start working on these things just so you know where to go. It's going to help you in the long run. And if anything ever comes up, you might have your prize female Aki you've never had a problem with. And there's a day where maybe it got out and the cat got to it or um, the male beat it up or it got hurt on something, burned itself on the light in your cage, something. And now it's kind of circling the drain have this stuff set up so that you can save yourself and hopefully your animal or world of hurt in the future so yeah we i think we covered a few random topics all together here <laughs> by captain <Yeah>. bread <laughs> yeah i mean this we just want to want to make sure people got it yeah we want you guys to have a good keeping experience and um you know stress-free and but we're willing to share with you all our stress we're actually hoping that you guys will share with us your ups and downs too um and be very honest about it as we'll try to be with you sometimes it might take a week or two before we want to tell a story about what happened but (laughs) it's still too fresh but uh you know hopefully we can all kind of learn through this together so yeah there's a lot going on as far as both of us go there's quite a few animals just between us two so Mm -hmm. A lot of breeding going on, a lot of what the heck just happened. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Why is this happening to me? Please stop. stop. Right. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I had those two uh, Dorianas pass away um, this, what, last week. But at the same time, I'm looking at little faces hatching out of eggs. So it's so much up and down. Um, yeah same i have like horrible indicus 
happenings for the last couple months, but then I see like Kimberly's pop out and it's like, all right, right, not so bad. Yeah, and you might have to accept it's not all 100%. Even if you're the best keeper in the world, it's not always just, you know, you're riding that wave. There's yeah. ups and downs. And- yeah, it's great, great learning though. I mean, so I got to learn how to cut monitor eggs the way nerd does it and the way a couple other keepers do it um i'm not really promoting this because it's not like oh i'm just knowing what to do and i'm not saying anybody should just run out there to start clipping monitor eggs as soon as they think they're ready um there's a lot there are a lot more a lot more details to it what you got to pay attention to it's kind of like the eggs are giving you a go ahead and then you can sort of clip or once you're in 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 question and everything kind of lines up for you it's like all right i'm gonna basically make a puncture but yeah man i kind of learned how to do that with a couple of the eggs that i failed with as far as indicus eggs um and so they basically didn't do too well you know and yeah man i had to learn and watch nerd videos learn from rob and a couple other guys that work at nerd and just see how they do it because it is different typically the standard is to not cut monitor eggs yes that's uh what we kind of try to promote um don't get me wrong um i'm a curious dude and i have these eggs that are i think are failing and so i'm gonna i'm gonna dig into them a little bit that's it does put me at an odds where man that everything was fine why did i cut into it you know uh, but i typically am very patient with them i let them go a certain amount of time and i'm waiting for cues to then cut which is like i mentioned before smell look how dented it is and then how it looks inside right um yeah so all things you guys will if you're successful with your own animals you'll get a feel for it with the eggs when you start seeing them but then again I mean, like we have a standard window for our dwarf monitor eggs, Aki eggs, 110 days. The other ones, about 99 days is, you know, kind of standard to 110 days. Um, But then, Kai, you're out in a field where it's like, well, let me go ask the other Indicus breeders. Huh. (laughs) You know, what is your experience? And you're you're out there by yourself. So um, or like, you know, it's a situation I had sand monitor eggs. Let's see, Alex over at Sim Container had sand monitor eggs. Now his, um, for these two clutches, his were laid, I think, a week or two before mine. Um, And then mine go to hatch at 180 days, where his, even though they were laid first, I think they went up to like 250 days. Yeah, maybe the temperatures or just uh, the incubator or something like that. Yeah, it could be it, man. But they're all healthy eggs. But I mean, um, credit to Alex, of course he has a a mountain of experience already. And not only with eggs, but also being patient and seeing all the things monitors can throw at you. But had he been, if the situation was reversed and maybe, you know, this is my first clutch of eggs and I seeing, oh wait, his, mine were laid before his and his hatched at 180 days Mine are at like 230 days. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Let me rush in there and start cutting eggs. And, yeah. you know, you get ahead of yourself. They still needed another 20 days. And, right. you're, you know, so. Yeah. So that's why we don't really recommend it, even if I learned it, you know, I'm trying to just uh, take care of those those eggs that I think are going to fail. Yeah. See if I have a possible chance to save them. Um, right. Well, yeah, man, it's a good a good couple hours. Yeah, we're, we're hitting up there. So 
Um, next week, we're going to try to get another show going here. Kai has a guest picked out. We're going to try to get on and uh, get some good information from, have some good discussion. So uh, we're looking at making that work and uh, some future shows that I think Kai and I will Yeah, should about. be a good one because uh, this is a, a species that a lot of people like, a lot yeah. of like so it should be a good one yeah good stuff all right guys uh we'll we'll see you um oh wait kai where can people find you man they can find me everywhere Uh, (laughs) type in kai you're gonna see a a picture of a monitor (laughs) just go to groups and type in kai or go to facebook and type in kai fan k-h-a-i-p-h-a-n um and then i'm also on instagram I'm a lot. I'm on Instagram a lot more than I used to be, so um, you'll be able to find me at uh, Big Lizard um, at 103. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see here, YouTube. I'm on there as uh, Mangrove Mecca. Um, that's uh, Mangrove in space M E C C A. Um, then you can also find me on the NPR network too. So yeah, we, you can find us here uh, at uh, on the Monitor Podcast. So, yeah, man, good stuff, uh, guys. You can find me at you? Origins Reptile on Facebook and Origins with an S underscore Reptile uh, on Instagram, and like I said here on the uh, podcast, um, reach out to me. I you know we have conversations throughout the week with different people. I like to help out um, with whatever I can, or if there's um, criticisms about the the show, you know, share them with us. Um, let's get into some, some real stuff and talk it out um, and have some good discussions with you guys. It'll only make everything better for everybody. Uh, and those guys out there that just say, Hey, great job. Thank you. You helped me in this way. We always like hearing that. We'll, we'll send messages to each other. Just say, Hey, look what this guy said, you know, it helps us realize that okay we are doing something good something helpful at, on some level so yeah we want to definitely provide save animals make sure things are you guys get get successful with their stuff um you know before it's like <clears throat> the monitor game is it's not that it was lacking at all it's just there was things that can always improve you know you can always do better a lot of things were still imported and yeah seeing yeah. seeing some of those like there's peacock monitors now being bred in Indicus and there are things that were like, there's so many lace monitors now. And, you know, these things weren't being produced before. There's all types of water monitors that are now on the market, like dragons and um, yeah, just tree monitors that are more readily produced than they were five, 10 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. It's good to see. It's good to see even a uh, Spencer. I. Oh, I can't wait, man. I can't wait. One day, one day. Uh, All right, then we will uh, sign out and let you guys go. We hope you have a good one. All right, man.